Trish Tonai is an author, entrepreneurial coach, and speaker. Her latest book, Breaking Barriers, features the stories of 10 female entrepreneurs who've reached success in their respective business ventures. Each shares some of the challenges they've faced along the way, as well as advice for those just starting out. Trish herself started on the sales floor of a major department store, but has reinvented herself three times in her 25 years as an entrepreneur. Corporate Canada is very different now than it was before, because we used to try to find a company that we wanted to work with and then stay with that organization for 20 to 25 years and sort of go through the ranks and, you know, get promoted along the way and learn various skills from other folks who were mentoring us. And now it's very different because we no longer have that sort of opportunity to stay with one organization for a long period of time. And so we move in and out of the workforce a lot. So what we're actually looking more for is skills uh, that will help us to move our career into a different direction. And most of the folks that I work with from a coaching standpoint, that's really what they're looking for is they're looking to learn some skills from the people that they work with so they can advance their career to whatever that dream may be. On this episode of Run It Like a Girl, Trish Tonai talks about the use of emotional intelligence as a roadmap to success, how combining your passion with your career is key, the importance of lifelong learning, and how failure actually provides us with a wonderful opportunity for growth. The very passionate Trish Tonai on this episode of Run It Like a Girl. in the living room of Trish Tonai, author, coach, and speaker. Uh, Trish, thank you so much for agreeing to be on an episode of Run It Like a Girl and welcoming us into your home. Well, thank you very much for coming. It's so thrilling to meet new people and share some stories. So I'm really looking forward to our time together. Absolutely. I was so thrilled and I'm so happy when you said yes. And what I found through this whole project is really you just have to ask and people are so willing to help. Isn't that so true? <laughs> uh, I always say you have to own your story, right? We all have stories to share and uh, that's really what makes life really interesting. Um, so maybe what we'll start about is let's, you can tell us a, a bit about your background and, and kind sure. of who you are and Sure. Well, I'm an author, coach, and speaker. So I have written two books. Uh, my first book is The Diary of Change, 12 Personal Tools, and I self-published that one. And my second book is Breaking Barriers, 10 Entrepreneurial Women Share Their Stories, and that's been published by Manor House. And both have been in really interesting journey. Um, the first book I wrote as a result of a transformational change in my own life, both personally and professionally. And Breaking Barriers was actually written as a result of going to Harvard Law School. Oh. I took a certificate course in mediation and dispute resolution. And it was actually one of the gentlemen that I had met from Europe who said to me, you know, Trish, our, my daughters don't really have any sort of real women who can share their stories. And I actually came home on the plane and started to think about this whole idea of mentorship. And one thing led to the other. And a year later, I published the book. Wow, that's amazing. And that must have been quite an experience to talk with all of those people and pull the stories together. It was. And you know, what's interesting is I only knew two women personally out of the 10 that I featured. Everyone else I either was introduced to through a networking event 
Um, one of them actually I reached out to through LinkedIn. So it uh, goes to show you how well social media works these days. Absolutely. And um, surprisingly enough, there were a lot of women that said no, that they didn't want to share their stories. And I think that's because um, we're all a little shy as ladies to sort of speak about our success. And uh, I was really thrilled to be able to pull together the other nine ladies, including myself, to share their story. You know, that's interesting to me, and you're, you're right. And I think, um, you know, we, we learn a lot about that in, in my workplace, about how women aren't quite as willing to share their, uh, their successes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think that um, women of a certain age that I like to say, which I would include myself in that category, I'm actually celebrating 25 years as an entrepreneur this year. Wow. So um, we actually weren't raised to sort of boast about our success. So um, it's, it's been a real journey to sort of hear some of the challenges that other women have faced in their careers. And that's really one of the fun things about the book. We all share three words of advice. And we also share a challenge that we've had to overcome on the road to our individual success. And at the end of each chapter, each lady has a photo as well as their bio. So that if you that particular story touches you in some way, you can reach out to that lady directly and uh, establish a connection. That's pretty cool. And, you know, I think um, I think that's actually a good segue into what I kind of wanted to, to talk a bit about next, and that's kind of mentorship. Sure. And the role maybe that it's played in your life, but also now as a coach and, and author and speaker, um, how you're mentoring others. You know, it's really cool because when I started to do the research on mentorship, I decided that there were three types of mentors. There was formal, informal, and inspirational. And I think at different stages of our life, we probably all assume those roles. Um, for me, an inspirational mentor was Coco Chanel. And she was a mentor to me because I really saw her as the first sort of feminist, the first woman in business who broke all kinds of barriers. Mm -hmm. And if you take a look at her biography, um, you know, she really accomplished some tremendous things in her career. And in terms of a formal mentor, you know, when I was growing up uh, in the world of corporate world of business, um, they all of the, the men that were ahead of me, they were all men, all the people ahead of me were men. Uh, there weren't many women that we could use as role models. So funnily enough, uh, the two most influential mentors for me were both male and sort of uh, pushed me along in my career at a time when there weren't many women in uh, sort of that corporate culture. So um, I sort of had to think like a man and act like a lady. So that was a real challenge. Um, but I think that now it's quite different for ladies in business. I think you're right. So they must have been like the original he for she champion. Absolutely. <laughs> That's Absolutely. Uh, and, and you're right. I think, you know, in, in, in kind of some of the women we've been chatting with today, a lot of them have said, kind of, you know, when they're first coming up, same kind of situation. Right. But now as things progress, they are seeing more and more women coming into the workplace. And now people like yourself are mentoring those who are coming up. Well, you know, it's interesting as we live in a gig workforce, you know, we hear that acronym a lot. And I think that um, corporate Canada is very different now than it was before, because we used to try to find a company that we wanted to work with and then stay with that organization for 20 to 25 years and sort of go through the ranks and, you know, get promoted along the way and learn various skills from other folks who were mentoring us. And now it's very different because we no longer have that sort of opportunity to stay with one organization for a long period of time. And so we move in and out of the workforce a lot. So what we're actually looking more for is skills uh, that will help us to move our career into a different direction. And most of the folks that I work with from a coaching standpoint, that's really what they're looking for is they're looking to learn some skills from the people that they work with 
so they can advance their career to whatever that dream may be. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. And, you know, I think um, more and more you're hearing, and I don't know if it's even the right term, but kind of those soft skills. Absolutely. And, um, and, you know, a word that I've been hearing a lot of the last few years or a phrase is emotional intelligence. Yes. And I know that, uh, that that is um, a, a big part of, of the work that, that you do as well. So I'd love to know, like, because I also think sometimes it might get thrown around a lot, but what does it really mean to have emotional intelligence? And is it something that can be taught? You know, that's really, that's a really interesting question because uh, when I became certified as an emotional intelligence coach, one of the things that was really very poignant for me was that there's 15 soft skills that change based on our life and skill experience. And so they can be changed and they can be learned And the companies that are offering sort of that EQ uh, report to individual employees, in my opinion, are the ones that are really trying to not only advance the company, but advance leaders. And in order to do that, we all need to learn new skills. And EQ sort of gives us that roadmap of how we can get from one place to another. I actually wish in the 80s when I started my career that they actually had EQ, because I probably would have learned a few things about myself that you don't realize uh, when you look in the mirror, we think that we know what you know who we are and what we're projecting, but a lot of times we actually don't. So EQ actually gives you a really good report on yourself. Mm-hmm. It's actually kind of looking in the mirror to sort of see what kind of soft skills you have and where you sit in that leadership grid. So it's really a wonderful tool that I use with uh, a lot of the leaders that I work with. And would you say, is it about kind of teaching self-awareness? Being- I would say for sure it's all about self-awareness because in order to do the best job that we can do, whether we're an entrepreneur or whether we're part of a a leadership team in a larger organization, we have to know what our best self is in order to be able to contribute to that team. So, um, you know, the one that's really the most poignant for me is empathy and being able to sort of put yourself in somebody else's shoes and understand. And, you know, there's a really wonderful, um, we call it a game, live, work and play. And it's actually done um, teaching us empathy as in a team and we're blindfolded. So you put the blindfold on and then one person in in your group is not blindfolded and you actually build this little game. Uh, around communicating then to the other people who can't see Mm. how to build that particular piece. And I can't tell you how much fun people have because we think that the words that we say, actually people understand what they may mean. But when we're in that type of situation, we really soon realize that sometimes what we say is not not received the way we intend it to be. You know, that's a pretty cool... uh... Uh, experiment or game right because what you think is coming across and sometimes I find this at work where I I feel like what I've said is so crystal clear but it just doesn't seem to be coming across take that and blindfold everybody yep and see how they can do well you know the interesting thing too is you think about those memos that we you know we send around now it would be the email world right you send an email to someone and you read it and you think wow really and then you go to talk to the person and that's not at all what they intended but the words that we've written and the way that we receive them, sometimes we get mixed messages. Well, absolutely. I think that's true. And I think email has kind of amplified that in terms of, you know, I might think that you're being critical or being harsh, or I might read um, read something. But email has no tone. Like, it's that's words. Right. That's right. So, that's right. It has yeah. no personality. Yes. Yeah. Right? 
And that's really where EQ comes in because it gives you an opportunity to really develop um, the soft skills that really contribute to our personality. Yeah. I, I'd love to ask you something. And then on that, because you um, talking about kind of leadership mm-hmm. and uh, you hear a lot about authentic leadership yes. and being authentic. Yes. What's, what in your mind would would make someone into an authentic leader? You know, it's really interesting. I was talking about this very thing with a friend of mine the other day. Um, We were talking about social media and how, you know, social media has really given us an opportunity to share stories. But the stories that really resonate with us are the ones that are authentic. So the people that sort of speak from the heart, those are the ones that we really want to follow. So as leaders, if you're authentic, being that you're keeping it real, those are the people we really want to follow and learn from and perhaps could mentor us. Um, and, and that's really a special skill because a lot of times uh, in today's hectic world, we don't even see the people that we work with. No, no. You know, you might be in a remote office. Uh, you may move from one or one or more locations. Um, so we tend to use um, different tools to communicate. And I think we're perhaps losing the one-on-one um, opportunities to talk to people and mm-hmm. see the, the look in their eyes and the expression on their face, yes. right? And really get a, a wonderful idea or picture as to what they're trying to convey. You know, I, I actually work remotely um, about three days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, some less when we're busy, of course. But uh, And all I do on my days in the office is meet with people. For sure. <laughs> to try to get that, that, that face-to-face connection. Yeah, it's so, so important. Absolutely. It's really important. And, you know, that's one of the challenges, I think, that we face in our digital world is that, um, you know, that's why there's so many different platforms now where you can sort of do those face-to-face communication through our computer or through mm-hmm. our phone. Yeah. Um, just so that we can see the expression on somebody's face, because that really conveys the message better than anything else. So we use Google Hangout at my work. So right. every time I have a meeting, they can see me. You also have to remember that too, though. Yes, well, I think I think we've seen a few of those programs where people have been on. Uh, you know, the little kid is on their tricycle coming through the uh, into into their home office, or you know, you hear the baby crying in the background, or the dogs barking at the door. Right? No, and those happen. And maybe I think it's how you how you deal with those situations. Keeps it real. It keeps it real, right? And you know, I think when you're talking about um, uh, authenticity too, and being an authentic leader, I think that's where it really shows if you're in your passion. Right. Because if you're in a role and you absolutely are not in the right role, it must be very hard to be authentic. Um, so also kind of like when you're thinking of that and leading with purpose, mm-hmm. what does leading with purpose really mean? You know, I think that those folks, there's been, there's an awful lot uh, in to read these days about why, finding your why and what is your purpose and finding those answers. And I really think that You know, there's an old saying that we've probably all heard many, many times where, you know, if you can find the thing that you love to do, you will never work a day in your life. And it all goes back to passion, right? And finding something that you really love. Um, You know, I have worked with uh, a gentleman who is an architect. And, you know, one of his sayings is uh, designing houses is is what I do for a living. But I I really love and have a passion for uh, building homes for families and for future generations. And when you think about it, uh, that's what really makes you great at what it is that you do. Uh, when you can marry what you're really passionate about, um, and if other people are looking for that skill, uh, then you marry those two things together, it's really quite amazing. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. If you can find passion and career and blend those two things, that must be perfect. Um, a lot of times, I think sometimes people are discouraged from non-traditional careers, maybe because it's like you need a regular paycheck. You need to, you need to, that can be your backup. You need a backup plan. You need to go to university. You need to get 
accredited in something so that if whatever doesn't work out, you have a backup plan. How do you think we encourage people to just go for your dreams, go for your passions and figure that out in terms of how to make it into career? You know, that's really interesting because spending uh, 25 years in entrepreneurship, um, there are lots of peaks and valleys in terms of that regular paycheck because you kind of give up the regular paycheck when you're on the road of entrepreneurship. And so sometimes folks choose to have their day job with their passion as a side project until they get their feet on the ground, until they're being able to see enough money in the bank, and then they abandon one for the other, so to speak. And, you know, most of the ladies that I featured in the book had at one point or another had a career in a corporate culture where they were able to hone their skills, build up their bank Mm -hmm. account, and then make that leap into entrepreneurship. So lifelong learning really makes a huge difference because one of the things that I can say is, you know, what my career looks like now is nothing like where I started many, many years ago. Um, Because when you think about it, um, I was a buyer for Eaton's when I first started my career, um, working for a very large organization, you know, starting in sales on the on the sales floor and being promoted um, to eventually become a buyer when I was in my early 20s. And, uh, you know, I left that I, I was in the generation of downsizing. So I used to have a joke. Uh, the reason why I'm so short is because I was downsized three times by the time I was 30. So, uh, you know, that, that downsized generation had to become very resilient. And resilience is a quality that we use often in entrepreneurship. And I think that uh, it, that was just helping set the stage for what I was going to do in the future. I think resilience is, a, is, a, is another excellent point because, um, and, and I think you were kind of, well, it's not downsizing. It's kind of what you said is gig kind of situations now, right? It's very hard to get kind of that full-time job. And and when you do, you're probably not staying there for 25 years. So I would think resilience is so important. Um, How do you think, how do you teach resilience? You know, I think resilience comes back to one of those soft skills in EQ, if I can kind of take us back uh, full circle to to the beginning of the tool that we might use. And, you know, as a coach, whether you're having an opportunity to do EQ self-employed or whether you're part of a larger group, um, you can revisit those skills. And resilience is something that you can almost say, like, go with the flow. You know, you have to be able to take the peaks and valleys, learn from those experiences and see them as opportunities. Because uh, another thing we don't do very well in our culture is deal with failure. <laughs> and failure is a negative thing rather than a positive thing. And to be quite honest, um, if we fail at something, that gives us a wonderful opportunity to grow. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I am being an, uh, an entrepreneur, I think... Um you know, in terms of failure, a lot of entrepreneurs have to fail several times before they find the one thing, which is how they, how they make it. Absolutely. And that's why lifelong learning is so important because, you know, you may have a plan when you start out and then, um, you know, I have reinvented myself, so to speak, three times in the 25 years I've been an entrepreneur. And to be quite honest, it's my client base or friends or networking that's actually changed the direction that my company has taken. So I started in uh, brand marketing and helping folks build their own brand strategy. And then when I decided that I wanted to move into a different direction, I was working on contract as a consultant with another organization. And a young lady said to me, you know, Trish, maybe you should consider coaching. Well, that wasn't even on my radar. It was one of those things where I, I felt I was mentoring and she felt that she'd had such success as the brand manager in that organization that she said, you know what, you might want to consider, you seem to have this natural tendency to help other people 
become better at what it is that they do. So I really took a serious look at coaching and uh, became certified through the Certified uh, Coaches Federation and started coaching only three years ago. So it's been uh, a new venture for me, but it's, it came about because I was looking for something new. The best things come that way. For sure. For sure. Uh, So I think, you know, there's a final question that we just kind of, we throw out to everyone that we interview and it's always interesting because everyone's answers are different and unique to themselves. But if you were to, to spend an afternoon with a 20-year-old version of yourself, is there a particular uh, conversation you would like to have or some sort of advice that you would like to give yourself? For sure. You know, um, I think when we're young, we feel that we're going to set the world on fire and we have some goals that we all want to achieve. And sometimes we become, become so focused on the goals, we forget to enjoy our success. And for me personally, I think that um, the advice I would give myself is enjoy the journey and the successes along the way. Uh, Even the little successes we need to celebrate. It doesn't have to be this huge monumental thing, you know, that we've done in our career. Uh, But maybe just achieving that short-term goal. You need to sit back and, you know, put your feet up and, and enjoy that success for a little while. So that would definitely be the thing that I would tell my, uh, my 20-year-old self. Um, because I, I, I still struggle to be quite honest after all these years and being able to enjoy that success. I'm always looking for the next thing. (laughs) Always looking for the next thing. Uh, well, Trish, I want to say thank you so much for welcoming us into your home, for chatting with us and, uh, for being on this episode of Run It Like a Girl. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure. And thank you for reaching out to me to give me an opportunity to share my story. Run It Like a Girl is hosted by Bonnie Moak. Brian Long is the producer. Web design and technical assistance provided by Dan Moak. And music courtesy of the talented Brooklyn Gillichuk. On the next episode of Run It Like a Girl, Teresa Tichera spent her childhood summers on the lake at the family cottage. It's where she developed into a competitive paddler. Throughout her athletic career, Teresa competed in three World Dragon Boating Championships. She's now the Executive Vice President and Chief Underwriting Officer for Totten Insurance Group. Teresa Chichera on the next episode of Run It Like a Girl.